Hey guys, my name is Crystal Kenny, and I'm in love with creating. All things artistic and imagination involved. I'm an American girl who chased her creative dreams all the way to Paris, France, making a living using photography. This podcast takes you inside the stories of all the artsy folks I've met along the way and gives you that extra push to discover your creative gifts. The desire to create is deeply inside each and every one of us, and I give you the tools and inspiration to find a new way of living a more creative life. This is La Vie Creative, the podcast. Claudine Hemingway is a descendant of famed writer Ernest Hemingway. We bumped into each other at a party and decided to team up and dive deep into French history, but with a twist, by bringing a spotlight to those lesser-known creatives in France. This is History with a Hemingway. Hey guys, thanks so much for listening. If you want more bonus material and to support the show, head on over to patreon.com forward slash la vie creative. And also don't forget to check out Amazon where you can pick up my new book, Paris, A Life Less Ordinary. In the book, I talk about my creative adventures in Paris, from starting my business to being homeless, hello, starving artist, (laughs) to how I met all these wonderful creative people. Don't forget to check it out on Amazon. And also thank you so much once more for listening and for your support. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to Paris History avec Hemingway. I'm back with Claudine. And today we are learning about Eva Gonzalez, which to me sounds like a Spanish name, but she was a French Impressionist painter. And I'll let Claudine take it from here because that's about all I know. <laughs> well, you're 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 right. She was a French painter, but her father, Emmanuel Gonzalez, was Spanish. Oh, so, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, so he was a novelist and a playwright, and his her mother um, was Bel- from Belgium, and she was a very accomplished uh, musician. So, you know, they had a lot of talent um, in her parents that came down to her. She was introduced to the literary ro- world very early age um, and because of her father, and which she would make some really fantastic contacts that would help her later on. And at 16 in 1865, she studied under Charles Chaplin, which every time I see that, I think of Charlie Chaplin, but I don't think it was the same. (laughs) So, and he, but he was an official artist of the second empire. So he was an official artist of like, no, you know, Napoleon the third and Eugenie and, and, um, but in February, 1869, she was introduced by Belgium artist, Alfred Stevens to Edward Manet. And I know, and I love Manet. And Manet um, ended up taking her on as his first and only student he ever had. Only? Only student. Yeah, it was the only official student he ever had. And at the time, um, Manet, when he, he had gone down to Spain for a while, and he was fascinated and obsessed with Spanish art and he um, would bring that into a lot of his paintings at the time, like the balcony um, that has um, Barrett Morisot in it. But they ha- all have like, you know, those um, beautiful, dark Spanish features, like the black, you know, very dark hair and these beautiful eyes. And so when he saw Eva, because she looked like that, he was completely instantly like enthralled by her. And <laughs> he was because he was attracted to anything Spanish at the time. And so he immediately, as soon as he met her, when she came to a studio, he sat her down and instantly had to start painting her. He was obsessed with her. He was obsessed with her. Um, And at the time, it was when he was getting like 
you know, a lot of negative reviews at the salon. I think this was after, you know, Olympia and all these other things, you know, these, these, um, you know, push, you know, barrier pushing paintings that he was doing. And so at the time, you know, I think he also just didn't really care. So he started painting her in his studio at the time when he was basically a recluse, like he didn't ever leave the studio. And so once he met Eva, she kind of re like, basically like reinvigorated his painting and his life uh, because he was like, so like she was just this huge muse for him. And so she basically like ended up getting him to come like out of his bubble and be a part of society again. She was his life coach. Yeah. Which we might all need when we get through this year. So, <laughs> But the first painting uh, that he painted of her, he shared at the salon of 1870 and they, they let him do it this time. It was just called Mademoiselle E.G. And that was it. And Bert Morisot, who was a very, you know, clo- very close friend that we've talked about before. She was very jealous because they had this like really intense, close friendship. It was just a friendship. Um, but it was very intense. And so Barrett, you know, that was Barrett's role for so long. So she didn't really, you know, she wasn't pretty, she wasn't very excited about this, you know, Eva gal coming into town. But in the um, painting, she's depicted sitting at her easel, but she's wearing this very fancy white dress and hold, and there's a camellia on the floor. And, but her, her pose and stuff looks rather stiff for somebody that's supposed to be a painter. And also wearing such a fancy, beautiful white dress. Interesting. Yeah, I'll post. I'll have. A, I'll post a picture. Um, but she she modeled for many of the impressionist artists at the uh, as well at that time. But she was still studying under Manet, and so Manet was like teaching her, you know, like everything that he knew. And so her early paintings, basically, like I mean, I walked into the Orsay, and I I would have thought this painting was Manet, and it was hers. Hmm, because like she studied under him, so she really learned his ways. Yeah, she really learned his ways. So her father was a president of the Society des Gens um, de Lettres, and but he got her through, you know, quite a few doors that women artists at the time weren't allowed to. So you know, meeting other artists and meeting literary people and putting her, um, you know, into the scene that she normally, you know, most people, most women wouldn't ever get to have the chance to do. So she ad- um, adapted much of the style of Manet, um, which, like I said, it's, it's just so evident in her early stuff. But in 1874, she painted a picture, um, called, uh, Un Loge aux Italiens, Italiens. (laughs) (laughs) and it is this really beautiful, like at that time, everybody was painting, um, these paintings of the theater, especially like the theater boxes. And there was a whole thing, um, of, where the rights of women in the opera, like you weren't allowed to go unless you were with a man, you, you know, depending on where you sat, like there was a lot of rules. So she painted this picture, picture um, painting of um, using her sister, Jean, as her model. And then um, a man named Henry Girard, who would actually end up being um, Eva's future husband. But it's a oh. very, like, you see, Jean um, kind of bending over, looking, looking at you, looking at the audience with a big bouquet of flowers. And then in the back, Henry is kind of looking like he's he's looking off to the other side. He's looking like he's not even paying attention. Um, And so they kind of think that the distant posture was probably because they were involved and she probably didn't want to paint her, you know, lover slash future husband with her, you know, 
sister, even though it was just as models in this, you know, very romantic way. Yeah, it was awkward. Yeah, but she the painting has this huge bouquet of flowers, which is um, they're very, very close to the bouquet of flowers in Manet's Olympia that the servant is bringing to her when she's laying out on her chaise lounge, which is just fascinating. Yeah, I love that she was his only like student, like that he really admired. Well, I guess at first it was just because she was a hot Spanish chick. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I just want to look at you all day because I'm a recluse. I can relate to Manet on the recluse thing right now. (laughs) Exactly. But yeah, I mean, I think he was fascinating and definitely her talent. I mean, she, I mean, it it is very surprising. I'll post pictures on um, my website. And you would think that you were looking at a Manet, those early pictures that she did. Mm, yeah, I mean, because she learned from him. I mean, how good is she? He, he was a good teacher. Yeah, he was a very <laughs> good teacher. But she, she just like Manet, she never gave an explanation of her subject. So she would kind of just paint the paintings. And it was up to people to make their own decision on what they saw. Picasso was much like that, too. Picasso always said that he would never comment um, you know, on what his painting was supposed to be because he didn't want to tell you what you should be looking at. So mm, I like that. Yeah. So you should be be able to look at these paintings and then you come up with your own story or your own ideas of what it is. Um, which I love. I mean, I think at the same time, especially some of these monumental paintings, when you know the story behind it or who the people the subjects are or who, you know, like the backstory. I love that. But I also love the, you know, you should be able to look at it and just come up with your your own thinking on it. Yeah, I mean, I kind of want to be told what I'm looking at because it makes it more interesting. But then from the artist's perspective, it's like, use your imagination. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, But she but uh, she at the same time, she was kind of uh, she was kind of shy and she would get really embarrassed if there was any um, extra like every any extra attention she got. She kept um, the painting of the the balcony in her possession until she died. And Mm. it was after she died, um, her um, family ended up giving it to the Louvre. And now it's in the Orsay. Oh, it's in the Orsay. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's in the Orsay. It's uh, down on the first level in a room that's actually it's uh, just right outside a room where a bunch of mayonnaise are. So, you know, they keep them. They kept them together for eternity. (laughs) <laughs> but the Detective. critics didn't really love the way that she painted because they thought it it was masculine um and it wasn't it wasn't for you know what a woman does at the time you know we've talked about it before how you know if women were ever taught painting they were taught how to paint flowers and still mm-hmm. lifes like they weren't you know it's like well they're not going to paint these different images so when she did the painting and then also with the Manet influence it was very masculine so they didn't like it um, but like Manet, Emile Zola um, based, loved her paintings. And Emile Zola came out at one point um, when Manet was getting, you know, slashed by the critics, but after Olympia and um, Dejeuner sur l'herbe. And so Zola came out as like his, his big savior. And he did the same thing for Eva as well. And she oh. would later even show at the salon. So she, you know, with the help of Zola and Manet, she really was able to get her art out there a little bit more. Good to have friends. Good to have, especially those friends. Um, (laughs) But Manet, 
um, when he when the, the salon was going through its uh, hatred of the Impressionists and the Impressionists gathered together and did their own exhibition in Paris. She was considered part of them and they brought her in. And so, you know, it kind of just like the um, just like Marie Bracamon and some other the women at that time, they kind of finally felt like they had, you know, a place that they belonged after all mm-hmm. of that time because they didn't really have one. And the Impressionists were actually very welcoming to these other women artists. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's cool. I mean, I'm surprised by that because like, I guess because they were kind of outcasts too. So they welcomed the women outcasts. Yeah. Let's bring all, all the all the outcasts and the rejects get together. Yeah. Rejects come to <laughs> It's true though. <laughs> yeah. But she started in 1874. She started to actually move away from Manet style. And she started to go for a more softer look that's, you know, more of a Renoir, Degas look. Um, and she was focusing on like children and women in, in everyday life. A lot like Barrett Morisot did after, you know, she, she, when she started really finding her style, that's what she did too. She focused on the women doing, you know, everyday, the everyday things of life. Her sister Jean um, continued to be her model for many of the works. And also she'd use um, her husband. So in 1875, when she met Henry, he was a graphic artist and a friend of Monet's, or Manet's, and he was actually an engraver too. So they ended up meeting and they had a three-year engagement, which just seems like a very long time back then. (laughs) They weren't sure. They weren't sure. And so, but they got married in 1879. And in April, 1883, she gave birth to a son, Jean Raymond, um, that he was born literally like a a day after Manet died, Mm. which was really sad. And so she was 34 and um, she actually died during the childbirth. And so she died the day after Manning did. Oh, that's so sad. She died giving birth. She died giving birth. Um, her sister and her husband actually raised her son. And they later married each other, too. What? <laughs> Replacement yeah. family. Yeah. So after her death in 1885, um, an, ex- an exhibition at the Salon de la... De la Vie Moderne um, was a re- huge retrospect of her work. And um, she there was all these paintings. And so it was, you know, a lot of people were able to see her her pieces. She wasn't, you know, hugely famous, of course, at the time. So it was a great way for her to get out there some more. Um, Paris and Monaco, uh, the, Monaco would hold exhibitions. Like the people in Monaco absolutely adored her. Um, and she would they would have these huge um, exhibitions in Monaco of her work um, at the start of the 20th century. So she did get worshipped in the end. She did get worshipped in the end. She's, you know, normally exhibited alongside all the other French Impressionist, Impressionist women, um, including Bert Morisot and Mary Cassatt. So, you know, that's kind of um, nowadays it's you'd be hard pressed to find an exhibition of just her work alone. She's usually, you know, these poor, these poor impressionist women like Bert Morisot had an, they Orsay did an amazing exhibit about her last spring. But um, for the most part, they're usually kind of just jumbled together. Yeah, they're like, here's an Eve and here's everybody else. Eva. Yeah. <laughs> you can find her paintings in Paris. Um, you can find some. There's some at the Orsay, of course, like we mentioned. And also the Petit Palais has a has a few of her paintings. And of course, the uh, Marmiton Monet um a, a museum that's out near the Bois de Boulogne, which is an amazing museum to go see if you haven't been to it before. 
We have to go on a treasure hunt for Gonzalez. Yeah. But I'll post a bunch of pictures of some of the ones you could find in Paris. Um, but yeah, she had a, you know, she's relatively unknown even today. You really only find her name when you're, you know, reading about the other 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 ladies. She died too young. She that's so sad. Too young. Yeah, she died way too young. And during childbirth, that's so sad. And painful. Yeah. Although from what I hear, I don't want to die. <laughs> yeah. But dying the day but, after Manet is just so poetic. It seriously is. Did her son become a painter? Do we know? Um, I don't think so. He's the one that donated um, a lot of a lot of her pieces to the different museums. So. Mm-hmm. Okay. He never got to meet his mom. I know. He never got he- to meet his mom. I mean, how would you go through life knowing that your mother died giving birth to you? That's got to be a pretty heavy burden to take on. I wouldn't want that burden. That sounds very difficult. If they even told him. Maybe they didn't even tell him. And then his her sister pretended she was. Oh, that would actually, that could have <laughs> happened. It just, you know, mom never existed. Yeah. Twists and turns. The desperate courtesans. The desperate, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> be a great show. Well, thank Claudine, we appreciate you so much information. And don't forget to check out Claudine's website, guys. She always posts pictures from the podcast about what we talked about. Sign up for her newsletter, her Patreon, all kinds of great things to get involved with French history and support us. So tune in next week, guys. Thank you for listening to Paris History Effect A Hemingway. If you want to find out some more, you could always find me on my Instagram page, Claudine Bleu Blanc Rouge, and that's B-L-E-U, as in the French way to spell it. And each day I post a daily history lesson about a person or a place or something in Paris, or it's lots of fun facts. And then also at ClaudineHemingway.com, where you can also sign up for my newsletter there.